listening to Triple Zeros. I am your host, Josh Buckhalter. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page at Clocker Sports, the website, clockersports.com, and the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. Uh, man, day umpteen without any live sports going on, but we still have a lot to talk about. Both leagues have actually given us a, a healthy dose of, uh, of news to get after, so let's get right into it, shall we? We shall. Uh, first up, talking about the NBA and an interesting bit of news. Uh, I thought it was uh, uh, something that kind of caught me off guard. Surprise, not really surprised, but we all know that the LA Clippers are in need of a new home because where they are playing, where they play currently, where they should be playing currently, rather, uh, the Staples Center is home to the Los Angeles Lakers, and they will forever be the little brother, even more so because of playing in their building where they are sharing the living quarters. <laughs> of their big brother that's something that'll forever and ever be the case well owner steve Ballmer is trying to change that he is attempting to buy the or he's buying excuse me the la forum where the los angeles lakers used to play their home games from 1967 until 1999 when the staples center opened so what's interesting to me about that though and it's just really a thought process type of thing or a logic kind of thing if you're trying to get out of uh, playing at the Staples Center because it is the Lakers' home, and you don't want to be, you know, second fiddle, second banana to them in, in the place that you're trying to call home. Is it really better to buy their sloppy seconds? I don't necessarily know if that you know that might not be better going to their old used up where they don't they 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 didn't had it, <laughs> they, they no longer want it. It's been sitting by the side of the road. Now I know that's not true, but you, you get my point. I'm not sure that this is necessarily breaking that uh that image of being the little brother and having to, to to be in the Lakers shadow. Just a thought. I know it'll be theirs and it'll be their building and all that. And I get it. He owns it. I get all of that. It still used to be the Lakers home. Just saying, it's not too much. You can really say about that to kind of make it seem uh, less, less of a, of a, of a little bit of a, a rub, you know what I mean to it. So and other team ownership, kind of financial, whatever you want to call it, news, uh, outside of the basketball floor type of news. Owner of the Rockets, Tillman Fertitta, has been pushing for the economic research. This this actually goes back to last week and a little bit in the week before, but he's been pushing for things to get back going. Um, and a lot of people around the NBA are wondering if he'll be selling the Rockets anytime soon. We know that uh, they were trying to find out ways to get below the cap around the trade deadline, below the luxury tax, excuse me, around the trade deadline. And also, of course, all of the the fallout from general manager Daryl Morey tweeting out about China and Hong Kong. That was before everything broke out with COVID-19. And so there's a lot of speculation that Fertitta could be on the way out of the ownership group. Um, You could see the Rockets, as you see them now, no longer be constituted this way. Some speculation of where players could go. James Harden, New York, things of that nature. Just random... uh, random destinations but the the crux of it all the the point of it all is that there's a lot of moves out of houston that would suggest that this current setup is not one that's built to last and we kind of i think a lot of people kind of got that feeling anyway with the moves that they made uh dantoni can only get so many iterations of the the group that he thinks is perfect before the ownership would have the same move on but fertita might be looking to do so a little bit quicker than anybody might have really expected other unexpected News really is not unexpected if you've been paying attention to what's been going on and kind of saw how uh, how the league was. But it appears that the Brooklyn Nets will be the first to try to break up this new era of duos across the NBA. 
Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are let me not put that on them. The Brooklyn Nets are rumored to be uh, looking to move some of their younger play, younger players for a third star. Now, we know that they just recently made a big fuss to get DeAndre Jordan into the starting lineup, so it wouldn't be him, but you could imagine that Jared Allen will be available for the right trade. They are also probably looking to move a Karis LeVert. They are, I guess, uh, they, they, they like... Torian Prince, I don't know if that's a proper way to put it, but that's that's a guy that, that might be one to stick around. But also look for Spencer Dinwiddie. So Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Avert, and Jared Allen could all be on the move for a third start. Now, it's kind of hard to really picture who necessarily would go through. Maybe I'll go into that a little bit more in detail on the next episode. But it's just interesting because Nets ain't even playing at full strength, and they already trying to break up what's going on. People were were happy, me included, that the NBA kind of gotten back to, I don't want to say gotten back because it's really also about a three-team, uh, three, three-headed monster when you're going up against uh, the top-tier teams. But I think it was just a good, a good change of pace to see kind of a more balanced league this year before things got interrupted. But – the Nets are like, nah, <laughs> nah, son. Now, this could be a signal that maybe KD is not so sure about his recovery. This is I'm just getting to the weeds at this point. But, I mean, you kind of got to wonder the push. Uh, So, in advance, you know, it's pop, may, could be a little bit of foreshadowing. But also, this is also telling on why Kenny Atkinson may have wanted out with so much change going on to a roster that, you know, by the time it was all said and done, wouldn't be anything that he had coached prior to this season. So I could see him feeling like maybe it's time to get out now before they get me out. Um, look like they got him out anyway, but you know what I mean. Like, it could have gotten a lot uglier had they tried to drag this thing out because if they go through with this, which I expect them to when they find a, a suitable target, it's going to be a whole different group of guys except for the big three, and those three are going to call the shots, and it wouldn't be in his behalf, on, it wouldn't be in his best interest to stick around and wait for them to make his decision. As we know, they make decisions on a whim, and I don't mean that they don't consider him deeply, but I mean by that is that uh, they make decisions that don't necessarily make sense to everybody else, so it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to see them go up and says, you know, to want to make a coaching change next year, even though they were winning, if they felt like they'd get better uh, results from a, from a different coach. So, that's just one of the things. It's just Man, the Nets went from being a team that I thought the Bulls should emulate with how they were building up their culture and rebuilding their image to now I'm kind of steering away because they're doing a little bit much. Um, they kind of hit the acceleration button on that on the on the rebuild, and it's gotten to a place where I'm just not necessarily sure that I would want the Bulls to jump into right now. They couldn't anyway. They're not close enough, but it's just like, ooh, okay, okay, Nets. Everything now recently has been kind of um, one eyebrow raised every time I read it just because it's not – uh, what I'm used to reading from them lately and kind of again, it's the next step of their, in their process, I guess, you know, every team is taking it at some point. They seem to be taken there. So, uh, so be it. Um, in other non active, non uh, live sporting event sports news, the, International sports conglomerate ESPN is has finally announced that they're going to move up their documentary, The Last Dance, to April 19th. The Last Dance is a documentary covering the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls final championship team. Two times for the players. Uh, man, we're going to get to see the, the team that, that knew that it was going to be a wrap after that year and, and just 
it's unprecedented access to all the people who were involved in it, camera crews and all that kind of stuff. Really exciting and a really perfect time for when people need a distraction. It's one that's been highly anticipated even before everything got shut down. And now they're probably going to have like undivided attention just because it's going to be so many great moments to relive throughout that entire, uh, that entire season. So that's one thing to look for, look forward to. April 19th, the document, documentary. I'm so, look, I'm excited. I'm stum- stammering over it. ESPN, April 19th. ESPN, April 19th. Last Dance documentary. 1997-98 Chicago Bulls team. Final championship run. Man, don't miss it. I know I won't be. I'll be, I'll be recording it because that's going to be one for the archives too because, oh, oh, man. Just ESPN is listening to the people. I mean, like they kind of were forced to, and it's a, it's a smart business move, but still, they're doing it. That's all that really matters, I guess. Um, the NBA, while trying to maintain some of their normalcy and get some things, get some kind of content more than anything back on the TV screens, is partnering with ESPN to bring a 2K league to television sets this weekend. Something along the lines of Friday, it's going to be, I believe, 16 players in the next 10 days after that. I got to double check that daytime, but it was 16 players and Donovan Mitchell, DeMarcus Cousins are rumored to be involved in it. I'm excited. Of course, I had the thought, but I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking that that's something that they should have been doing for a while now, um, especially if they're not going to be able to get the league back up and running. And it, it's it's going to be tight if they do. They seem they said they are determined to do so. And in fact, they are going to some lengths such as even considering playing or quarantining, I guess, getting teams isolated on a a Bahamian island and then finishing out the season there so they can crown a champion. They're going to some great lengths to try to do so. It's just really sketchy right now, man. Um, But hats off to them for being creative and thinking outside the box in a way to to try to get uh, to try to get some some kind of activity going on on the floor because players need it, fans need it. But I I brought this up last, uh, last episode I'm not sure how much you actually would play again, especially if you're going to somewhere like the house. I'm sure they would build some kind of uh, some kind of a, a, a temporary court for them there. But how sturdy is it? Um, just all types of different things, the risk reward factor. And then. I, I just don't know that there's enough incentive to try to force it to shoehorn it simply for the sake of trying to. Uh, get a champion crown now that being said if they do find one go for it right i'm just saying even if i even if me joe fan sitting here cheering for it i'm not sure that there's enough reasoning for them to go ahead and do so i think honestly and this is not never it's a ridiculous uh suggestion in the first place but you'd be better off making the 2k league champion the actual champion for the year because you do it that way, it's just going to be all types of. There's an ask. People who don't win it are going to want to asterisk by it. Um, the team, especially the teams who get the closest, there's going to be all types of complaints about how it changes. Uh, just random things that you just probably wouldn't have expected otherwise, because it's it's not in the standard setting. That's just how it goes. When you change things, when you alter it up, you're going to get those kind of complaints and those kind of uh, offshoot kind of just those issues, right? When you change something up, when you go off the, off the plan, that's when you run into those issues that, that just are flat out stupid because they shouldn't be happening, but they are. And that'll be one of those moments that you're not careful with the NBA and trying to force again, a game, trying to force a, a season to happen because they are trying to crown the champion. However, 
And I, I just have to end with this. I'd rather end with this part than that part because that part's so negative. However, if they're going to bring it back, I'll be watching. That's all I'm saying. I, I will be paying attention. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to wave my finger at it. I'm going to just sit back and watch it. I'm just saying I wouldn't rush it for that purpose alone. But I ain't mad at you because everybody around here needs some basketball in their lives. Everybody around here needs sports in their lives. But um, we're supposed to be in the NBA season right now, and it's just not happening. We're supposed to be right getting ready for playoff runs and all types of stuff. March Madness has got canceled. It's bad. It's bad around these parts, y'all. So if they can get something going, I take everything I just said back. If they can get anything going, please put it out there. Go to the Bahamas. Go out there. I will. I will. I'll let me drive the boat. <laughs> um, we can get this done because it's bad. Um, and then again, back to the 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 uh, real quick before I move on. The Balmer buying the forum in L.A. That's definitely a step back because there's a whole Seattle. Now, I know you can't move to Seattle now because you didn't got Kawhi and Paul George. You sold them on being in L.A., but dang it, I know Seattle has to be feeling all types of jilted at this point. Like We got a whole place up here that would be just for you, and you decided to still come to be in the Lakers. Sloppy seconds. That's just a horrible, horrible uh, look for for them. Really, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. Again, I'm probably looking too much into it, but I just didn't. I don't think that's as big of a, of a step up as they might want you to believe um, in a perfect world. Going to take a quick break, and when I come back, I'm going to talk about some of the NFL goings on. Not as much of uh, the free agency side as it has been in previous uh, in previous weeks. A little bit more speculation. But there has been some news regarding a major piece of, piece of legislation that just passed. So we're going to talk about that. Stick right here. Triple zero. I don't think it's any more. Triple zero. Welcome back to Triple Zero. I am your host, Josh Buckhalter. And switching to the NFL now. Catching up on a couple of things from last week. Didn't, uh, didn't do the double up with it being so slow. But I did want to catch up on this one. The owners wanted to delay the draft, which will be proceeding as scheduled. Um, and the league was against holding off. They wanted to maintain some sort of, some sort of normalcy. Obviously, you also don't want to lose all of the revenue that you're going to lose anyway, some of because of not being able to have the live festivities. Um, but the interesting part to me was a memo sent out by the commissioner's office, Roger Goodell sent out a memo saying that the draft will go on and then he served warning to the rest of to, uh, the owners around the league that chose to criticize the stance, writing public discussion of issues relating to the draft services. Not no use. Let me try that one more time. Goodell wrote public discussion of issues relating to the draft serves no useful purpose and is grounds for disciplinary action per Adam Schefter. Public discussion of issues relating to the draft serves no useful purpose and is grounds for disciplinary action. In other words, if you're talking about it, I can find you. I can dock you some draft picks. Do whatever the heck I feel like it because you shouldn't be talking negatively. Now, that's obviously what it means. It's not just talking about it. It's only for talking disparagingly about it. But that's interesting because, first of all, First Amendment, um, I know that he works for the betterment of the league, so he's protecting the shield more than more so than the individual owners. But the owners still have I think the I don't want to say more power than him but I would figure that they would be able to gather up enough power to to usurp that 
pretty quickly. It just seemed like a very harsh tone to take um, unnecessarily when I, I'm not sure they would be speaking out anyway, honestly. As many as much as there was a uh, hubbub about some of the owners wanting to remain away from action, I'm sure the majority of them wanted to get back to business in some capacity so they can try to recoup some of their money. They're not going to have an uh, off season. Some have speculated there won't be a season. That's a bit too far for me to go out and say right now, but I could definitely see a truncated off season. We're already seeing it affect a lot of the uh, off season maneuverings, as you heard that there are, there's no traveling, so there's no physicals for other teams. You can only be uh, outdoors or outside of team facilities. There can't be any travel involved, so like that's warm weather places like uh, Florida have been doing well, but it's bad for places like New England and stuff like that there. But by and large, it's been phone conferences, such as Joe Burrow talked to um, Brown, the owner of the Bengals, you know, to talk about the city and things of that nature, but by video conference because they can't meet face-to-face. Just a, a ever-changing landscape. And so when you hear about uh, the the way that, Cordell speaking on this middle, which is it's just odd. It's just an odd stance because he works for the owner, so it's a weird thing, weird stance to take. Sound like you're going against him. Now maybe that's not for the owners. Maybe I'm reading that that initial statement wrong, and it's not directed to them at all. It's directed to everybody else, such as the players. It just it's a coaches maybe. It's just a weird, a weird, very strongly toned uh, memo for something that would probably be best left alone. Let them say what they're going to say and you do what you're going to do because you clearly made your decision despite anybody else's request. Now, there's a good chance that it gets canceled depending on how what kind of a function they're trying to have here. But it's it's just a weird memo to go that above and beyond on the limb. Speaking of weird writings, however, Eric Reed has brought up a concern over the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement that we know was highly contentious and was a very close vote in the end, um, including 500 no votes from the players. But Reed brought up the subject of uh, changing the language for post-playing career health care. And in the language change, it went from saying that players would be covered before January 1st of 2015 to saying uh, coverage would begin for at, for anybody after January 2015. So it's a, a significant change because you're excluding a whole lot of players if you change that from uh, including before to including after. So not small. But the problem here, what's even worse, is that it was changed in between the draft that was sent over there for their approval and then the draft that uh, and they signed and then the draft that was sent back for them completed and everything. He went through with his lawyers and they found this inconvenience or this uh, inconsistency and are demanding that the, the CBA be voided. Now, it is uh, important to note that Reed has been a staunch opponent of the CBA since before it was even ratified, however... That's a very valid concern because it again it alters and affects for their brain health care after their playing career no less. Um, so I'm not one who believes in coincidences. Those two things together lead me to believe that it was a little bit at least uh, I don't intentional sounds m- malicious, but it's definitely it wasn't an accident that they didn't <laughs> designate it properly. But I. They have to get this right. It shouldn't have been changed. And when they do get it right, then they send it back over. But until then, the players should definitely make a ruckus about it. Because if they'll change this without you saying anything or and try to get away with it, they'll change anything. And there might be more. I would imagine that they've gone through, with this, gone through the rest of it with the fine-tooth comb. But 
definitely not something to overlook or think too smallly of because uh, that's that's significant. That is very significant. Some other uh, bookkeeping news. The Kansas City Chiefs have $177 in cap space. To give you a little bit of perspective there, the next team is the Patriots. 891000 Now, <laughs> not a rich man, but 177 does not beat what is in there now, in the pocket, in the old pocketbook now. Um, Chiefs going to have to do some work there. $177 can't sign you anybody. You can't sign for the minimum. You can't do I don't even know how they, how they left with that much money. Give it to somebody. Give it to a vendor or something. I'm not sure what necessarily... Um, it, what purpose it's serving in in their in their docket right now? But that's an interesting thing to have going on. They're again, they're going to have to make some uh, some tough choices coming up here soon because eight hundred ninety or for one hundred seventy seven dollars is not going to do you much good of anything <laughs> anywhere on any team for any signing for any contract. Another one uh, from last week that I didn't get a chance to get to. Jimmy Graham spoke with Jeff Jeff Dickerson of ESPN 1000, talked about his signing with the Bears. And I want to touch on this because I've been harsh on this signing, but Graham seems dedicated to it. And he started by saying that he still feels he's fast and that he's capable of making big plays. We'll see. Um, I'm not so sold on that part. Uh, He says the Bears office is closest thing to the Chiefs. In theory, maybe not in practice, but in theory, there's some, some variations to it. I hope to talk about that more with the guests in a couple of, in the next week or so. We'll see how that all turns out. Um, but he saw he cited his relationship with Ryan Pace, who was a guy who took a chance on him coming out of college. Graham said, considered himself to be a no-touch prospect. Somebody must have told him that because a lot of publications that I saw at the time were considering him to be an X-factor because they didn't know what his, his uh, ceiling would be. But he definitely was had uh, weapon potential, and we saw what he turned out to be. But he said Pace took a chance on him, and he appreciates that, and he wants to turn the favor. He also said that he thinks that Ch- uh, Chicago is ready to win a Super Bowl. Now... That's all well and good. And honestly, the signing of Jimmy Graham is no, not Graham's fault at all. Taking the money, nobody blames you for that. It's literally a pace criticism, and it should be viewed as such. But I do think it's good to hear that he is highly motivated. He says he felt the best. His knee is the best it's felt in the years. We'll see. Um, also interesting to see how they deploy he and Trey Burton if they add anybody else to that room. But the best thing about it was his positive attitude because I'm not, I'm still not high on it, but I like that he's going to, he, he's saying that he wants to go out there and uh, try to, to prove everybody wrong. That's all you can really ask for at this stage of somebody's career, especially somebody like Jimmy Graham, who's been through the injuries that he's had, has had the success that he's had, but is still out there trying to do it. And honestly, it's coming from Green Bay, so I know he wants to at least stick it to them once or twice this season. I'm just saying. That's, that's a pretty safe bet, right? Right? Gotta be. Got to be. Um, in other Bears-related news, I guess, not really Bears news because uh, they didn't go through with the deal like I wanted them to, but, and this is this is honestly a lower level on my list of quarterbacks that I want to, wanted them to go after, but Cam Newton was released by the Carolina Panthers after they signed Teddy Bridgewater to that three-year, to his three-year deal, and one of the things that's been uh, kind of talked about is how Cam and Jameis are still on the free agent wire. Both former first round picks, both former first overall picks, and both looking for new teams. And I think if you are going to uh, talk about it in a frame of, well, that's uh, it's a reflection of something, 
in Cam's situation, we'll talk about Jameis too, but more importantly in Cam, we know the records that he set uh, as a rookie. And Jameis, even in the bad season, threw 30 touchdowns, but it was a horrible 30 picks. I get it. You got to talk about both. And I think that a lot of times we let the team view of it cloud our judgment of a player. Uh, with Cam, obviously his his low point in playing career would be the Super Bowl where he didn't dive on that fumble and people are, are forever criticizing for it. Uh, but I think that it's unfair to say that he won't do it when it he, I, first of all, I think it's unfair to say he was scared. We see the way he plays, how much, how beat up he's gotten trying to get uh, touchdowns and stuff like that, how to, to score for a team. Now you can say that he just wants to score to celebrate and this, that, and the third, but I haven't heard one to make complain about him other than the receiver who, He's about to eat himself out of the league, and if he hasn't already. And I just don't understand where a lot of these he's bad for the locker room things come from. The kids in the area love him. People don't like him because he dresses funny. That's fine. I, you know who else used to dress funny but was a, a champion? Dennis Rodman. He had some issues, too. Dennis Rodman had a lot of issues. <laughs> but you got to – I just don't think – I think a lot of times that's what it is. that they, If they don't like him for that purpose, for that and maybe some other reasons – but they don't like him, and they let that cloud the judgment on whether or not he can be an effective uh, player in this in the NFL. Now, am I going out here and saying that he's going to drop back and be a, a passer in the pocket consistently, like a Brady in his hay or a Philip Rivers? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say say that, say that at all. But I also don't think that, that means that he has to be the runner that he was always either. I think if you move him around in the pocket a lot, get the pocket to move, that would help him. But also, you, uh are allowing him to have the option and already be started. I think a lot of times what gets players is the start and stopping, and he wouldn't have to do that. If he's already getting himself warmed up, there just wouldn't be as much strain on his joints to get to full speed. Um, and then, of course, the number one thing you could do to help him out would be give him an offensive line. I've been a major, critic, a major critic of Carolina's job protecting Cam over the years. They recently got one, and then look what happened. So whatever, <laughs> that that was the thing. But I don't. I think that's because they had him playing. Well, no, I know why he got hurt this year. They had him playing in the third preseason game for no stupid reason, and then he ended up uh, aggravating a foot injury and missing most of the beginning of the season. And then we know how it all played out. Uh, but they haven't before that. They hadn't done a great job protecting him. So you protect him. You give him some weapons, and you got a motivated guy who was a former MVP. Uh, rookie of the year, threw for 4,000 yards, all those things, all those great things. The dual threat. And I, again, I still think I think it's kind of like a, um, Jimmy Graham a few years ago kind of guy where his running ability will be most valuable in the red zone now, and he's going to have to be if, – if it means getting him some big guys who are nimble to run shorter routes but are wide targets, so be it. Do what you have to do to maximize the skill set. That's what I want to see for Cam Newton. And then Jameis, too. Although Jameis' big issue was the turnovers. Cam has just been kind of erratic. He hasn't necessarily led turnovers. And Cam's heights have led you to Cam's heights lead you to believe that uh and MVP season, honestly, leads you to believe that he's got it in him to be to play better. Jameis kind of scares me sometimes. And that's my boy. But Jameis, Jameis is just chucking and ducking. He's hoping it that it makes it to somebody that he wants it to go to. Otherwise he's gonna be in big trouble when he gets back to the sidelines. Um, so that's uh 
that's that's what I want. That's what I had to say about those two. But uh, some comp- uh, interesting landing spots for Cam though that have come across. New England being the top one, obviously with Tom Brady now in Tampa, there is a glaring hole for a Super Bowl, uh, for a Super Bowl capable quarterback to get them right back, or do they go with a rebuild completely and let Jared Stidham run it all out? I'm not necessarily sure, but I do think that, uh, I do think that, uh, if they're going to go with Cam, then they're going to have to give him weapons too. They can't go out there with the, with the patchwork kind of style. Now, listen, if Bill Belichick wants to prove that he's the ultimate guru of, uh, of, uh, of the, the ultimate guru of football, duh. If he wants to prove that he is the guy, the key cog in that dynasty for the Patriots for the past few years, then he goes out there and he gets Cam Newton. And that's not to knock on Cam. It's just to say he's shown that he can w- win with anybody there because that's a completely different style from what, uh, Tom Brady was so I look forward to seeing that hopefully that would be the one and you know I'm a cam fan so I'm let me I probably should have prefaced that whole little rant I did earlier by saying that I am a cam fan <laughs> so him landing in the wing would probably have me wearing a Patriots jersey to make myself a little bit nauseous <clears throat> but I would definitely probably get a Cam Newton uh, Patriots jersey because I, I just had a good feeling my boy would be on his way to getting him a chip other interesting back uh, spots would be backup places. Obviously, would be the Jacksonville Jaguars backing up Gardner Minshew, and I actually think he would he might end up winning that job away from Minshew some point throughout the season if he were to go there. Um, and that's just because I'm not sure what Minshew's ceiling actually is. I think that over a extended period of time, I think he's more of a Case Keenum kind of guy, right? He's good for a spark and he can give you a good stretch, but over time you're going to want your higher touted prospect to be the one and maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars go into this draft and get that guy but as it stands you kind of got to look at it like all right if he went there he definitely goes in as the backup but would have a chance I think to take over later on uh Baltimore behind Lamar Jackson that's interesting I'm not sure that what Baltimore does though is as suited for Cam it's more of a speed game with Lamar Cam is a power run kind of guy and I'm sure it's a, it, I don't want to say it's an easy, uh, easy switch, but I do think that it could work. It just wouldn't be, uh, I don't think it would be the, the kind of, how, what's the word that I'm trying to find here? It wouldn't be the, the seamless fit that it was, that it, your first blush would lead you to believe, right? If you've seen that Cam signed, you'd be like, oh, that's a good thing. You think about it a little bit more. Cam and Lamar, two different styles of runner. And I think that that's exactly why you see Cam maybe bypass it. It would probably give it a, it would be a good sniff. Now, one that is interesting to me is Houston backing up Deshaun Watson. They don't run Deshaun like they do Cam, but I think that would be good for Cam. It's also not necessarily an offense that's built on Dinkin and Duncan and being the most accurate. It's built on a lot of big plays. We'll see how it works now without uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, traded off to Arizona for some strange reason for David Johnson, but I think that would be a better fit for Cam than uh, going to Baltimore. Now, the other one that's interesting is Philadelphia. Philly is a team that is perennially contending for at least playoffs and recently for Super Bowls. And if you can get Cam there, there's a good chance that he winds up playing for uh, a significant prize at the end of the season if Carson Wentz is befallen by the, uh, by the, Injury bug once again, because listen, 
I know we like Carson Wentz in the media, right? He's he's uh, the, the smiley, happy, energetic guy, but the injury bug is one that you can't necessarily completely write off at any point in a player's career. If they've been bitten by it once, there's a good chance they can come back again. Um, I'm not wishing it on him at any stretch. I like Carson Wentz, but <clears throat> just saying in terms of potential fits for Cam, uh, I think that that would be one that's a dark horse that not a lot of people are talking about, but it would be one that I think would work out for him if he were to end up going there. And then one that surprised even me was New Orleans. And the reason why I bring this up, and it's not just out of uh, reckless bringing up of, of names because Cam and you know, New Orleans just don't seem to match up because of Drew Brees. But Cam Jordan actually tried to uh, recruit him saying that he's healthy and released him. He said one a year or two to make sure. Uh, this is a, a post by Cam Jordan. Uh, adjust throwing if needed. Need a team with dynamic top-tier halfback, wide receiver, cemented improved offensive line. He said he doesn't know how to do this text prompt style, so hopefully this reaches. Basically sending the, 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 the uh, feelers out there to Cam, you know, come out here and, and get yourself back right. This might be, this, you know, at this point in time, all we're doing is speculating. That could be a signal that this might be a last hurrah type of thing for Drew Brees to try to get it done before ultimately he and the Saints move on to uh, different pastures. Now, I doubt anything comes from this Cam Newton thing, but that is an interesting one. Philadelphia and New Orleans. Again, he's probably not going to get a starting job. The, the Chargers said they're not going there. If he does, it'll be with New England. Um other than that, though, I just see it might be best for him to sit out and wait and just get himself healthy all the way and come back later. But I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. And that's the worst part about it, because I think that I personally feel like Carolina did him a little grimy by not releasing him earlier, letting him have uh, multiple suitors kind of limited his options. But at this point, it is what it is. Hopefully he latches on with the team and gets a, a, a real shot to rehab his image and what he can uh, prove what he can do in this league because I think Cam's still one of the top tier guys when he's right and protected and has weapons like a lot of quarterbacks uh, really are so that's gonna do it for this episode of triple zeros follow me on twitter at Joshy Buck hit up the facebook page at clocker sports the website clockersports.com read the stuff uh, pip it ain't easy last word on pro football and clockersports.com and of course, as always, if you need to hit me up, hit me up the email. Did I say the email? Clocksports at gmail.com. Check out our newest uh, podcast, Punching the Clock, host Stephen Ryan. Always check out uh, T for Three. And just go and check out the site, man. Really proud of my baby working on that bad boy. Uh, but until the very next time, for-